Kelly Wand. Hello there. <laughs> My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for. There's a two for this week. Uh, your sister's sister and Hump Day, or as we like to call it, the movies of Lynn Shelton. I am joined this week by Christian McCransky. I prefer to be known as Zhuzh. And with uh, one or two taglines, Kelly Wand. Oh, shit, I squealed. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) There goes my after-the-podcast joke. Thanks. Uh, uh, The other, the hump day one is, I don't want to talk to you right now. (laughs) That's my review of both the movies. (laughs) Uh, let's see, before we talk those movies, uh, does anyone have any uh, corrections for things that were screwed up last week that, that they need to address? I think we're square. Yeah, what I yeah. said last week. I think last week we, uh, we batted 100 or 1,000 or however many you bat when you do well. Uh, mm-hmm. any, did anyone see any awesome trailers before Hump Day or Your Sister's Sister? Actually, so here, what's going on? Dingus, why don't you explain to folks... Why are we seeing these movies and not movies in theaters? Uh, why? <laughs> I thought it's because nothing was out. What did you say, Kelly? So I want to hear your version. You want to hear my version? Yeah. All right, All because right. we did not want to see Playing for Keeps... Even though playing for keeps was something you guys were lobbying for, I really uh, lobbied against playing for keeps because I loved the movie Hump Day, uh, which I saw a, a couple of years ago, and I kept bugging you guys to see, and finally you saw. And the director of that movie directed a, mo- a movie that finally came out this year that I wanted to see. And so I've been looking for a window uh, to force you dudes to see it, and playing for keeps was that window. Actually, uh, I would have just also accepted Kelly Wan's answer that nothing else was out this week. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but that was a, a far more thorough answer. Uh, you had indeed, I remember you telling me about Hump Day, and Hump Day was something, if you're like me and you've got Netflix, and every now and then it, it suggests things that you don't understand why and you don't believe it, and you're not going to take Netflix's word for it. If you're like me, you might have seen the cover of Hump Day in your recommendations and thought, well, it's... Is that because I watched some Miguel Arteta movie way back when, or something? By uh, you know, why is this? Why is this on? Or because you guys saw Magic Mike? Right, right, exactly, right. It's by that, right. Uh, so uh, I, I finally ended up watching Hump Day, uh, and then when your sister's sister came out, uh, I enjoyed that. That's now out on DVD, so it's actually a little topical. I think that just came out on DVD in the last few weeks. Um, so this isn't like we're just randomly picking some movies. There's this is a re- you know this is a DVD release. It, it coincides with the DVD release. This is timely, I think, is what I'm trying to say here. And to be fair, Tom saw your sister's sister first. 
and uh, prompted that we should see it as well. Yes, I was, yeah. Uh, and I, it's another thing, I, it's, it was a classic example. I love going into a movie like that, not knowing anything about it, because I was so delighted to discover the cast of it. Uh, anyway, I, the, I think the bottom line is here, I'm a huge fanboy for both of these movies. I suspect Dingus is going to be as well. So we're going to find out, what did Kelly Wan make of them? Uh, that's, one of the, that's one of the things I've been looking forward to this week. Uh, so uh, that's what we saw. Uh, there's no point getting into box office. These movies don't make money. They're not those kind of movies. They tend to uh, show at Sundance and film festivals, and they'll have a very limited theatrical release, and then a DVD release, and guys like us might talk about them. Uh, as for their ratings on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, who cares? Uh, so let's cut what? over to... Do you really want to know? Mm, a little bit, yeah. Uh, here, here's what I'll tell you about Hump Day and Your Sister's Sister. On Metacritic, Hump Day fared slightly better. On Rotten Tomatoes, Your Sister's Sister fared slightly better. So, Kelly Wan, what does that tell us? What the numbers aren't. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, Kelly Wan, how are you, when you are tasked with seeing two separate movies, how do you go about synopsizing them what is your approach if you were asked to what would your approach be if you were asked to give a synopsis of one or the other or both be? uh i did neither of them because <laughs> i figured since we were doing two i'll just do none okay that's that's one approach that's one approach that's that's plus a- next week's the hobsis just wanted to cool the jets and i just didn't think anyone would want to hear me do a lynn shelton opsis which because they're kind of like opsis but without jokes no way. Uh, yeah, without jokes. That's well, I, for one, I think there are at least two people on this podcast who actually would have enjoyed a synopsis. It's no problem if you didn't do one, though, because we are instead going to cut straight to you and have you answer the question, what does Kelly Wand make of these movies? That, mm-hmm. that in, in and of itself should be as good as a synopsis. Well, which one do we want to talk about first? <laughs> Uh, which one did you want? We're, we're kind of putting it on the table for you, Kelly. This is uh, your. We're giving it to you. Here, here's here's Kelly Wand. I'm going to I'm going to interview you. Here you go, Kelly Wand. Uh, what did you know about these movies before you saw them? Uh, nothing. It sucked that the guy who directed it directed Bull Durham. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that worked for me. Good. So I saw that influence. It was very strong. And so, which one did you sit Spice. down to watch first? I started with Hump Day because it was made sooner. I mean, awesome. wait. So, yeah, sooner towards Jesus. Sooner, yeah, exactly. Sooner to the past. Uh, and what, uh, as you were watching Hump Day... You uh, told me to watch it on a date. You'd said, oh, j- epic date movie, dude. So I thought about that a lot. Uh, no. Okay. I knew it because I knew that sounded like an, a very obvious trap. Like I, I was trying it, to... I pointed out to perspectives that it was a trap. But I was watching it, and I was thinking, I started ranking my friends, like, who I'd have gay sex with. <laughs> and uh, I think I could have gay sex with Dingus, because I think he'd be very tender. But with Tom, it'd be like fucking a velociraptor. I would do it. <laughs> I came out wrong. <laughs> no offense, Tom. <laughs> uh, and Kelly Wan, how did Hump Day work for you? What, what did you think of this movie? I was really enjoying it until the last 10 minutes. <laughs> so uh, how, would you, how would you describe Hump Day to someone who hasn't seen it and doesn't mind spoilers? Explain the movie. 
Uh, it's this guy and his friend, um, and one of them's married. Wait, see, I saw him back-to-back, so I'm getting the two storylines confused, because I also pretend it's the same character from both movies, the Mark Duplass character. Yes, Kelly, continue. What was that? Well, I, I kind of disagree with that, by the way. I think I, I think Mark Duplass is not a very... Uh, as, as far as actors go, he's not. Uh, he doesn't put on different personas very well. But I feel like the characters he was playing in each movie were very different, and for very important reasons, they well, were yeah. different from each other. It, it um, was a stretch to do what I tried to do. It wasn't easy. Oh, I see. I see. So this is what you attempted, and it didn't work. I see. Uh, yeah. But okay, so you watch. So uh, so Hump Day. He's got the. Go ahead. Explain to me Hump Day. I'm, I'm just curious oh. how you would how you would present this. Hump Day is a guy and his friend. And um, the friend's wacky, and he goes to an orgy and invites the friend's friend, <laughs> the sister's sister's friend's friend, to come over. And uh, the pork chops don't get made, so he stays, and they agree, baked, to have gay sex for a porn film. But no one's going to watch it, and no one's there at it. They're just going to do it, the two of them. And then uh, they change their minds. <laughs> God. So I, but what I was trying to prove there, and I, I, I think it was successful, is that if you if you talk to Kelly Wand long enough, a synopsis will just happen. <laughs> I know I was trying to be quiet, so that would, it was like a conception. Uh, so one of the things that that I heard said about Hump Day, which I found a little surprising, but upon reflection, I think makes a lot of sense, is that it's almost the equivalent to what French farce used to be. Ah, so true. Well, is it, though? I don't uh, know. I, I, I don't know. understand. Would, would somebody explain that statement to me? Because I don't know what French farce is, so help me out. Uh, let's see. French farce tends to be, well, first of all, French. But uh, I think the concept of farce, things like La Cage Folle, I think, is a, is a classic example. Um, you know, where it tends to involve like mistaken cross dressing. Well, there are a lot of a lot of farce is stuff about sexual identity, but it it it's often uh, because Biggs. a lot of because a lot of farce goes back, you know, way back to the time when they didn't have movies and they were doing plays, uh, a lot of the mores are dated and the, the concepts of sexual identity are dated. Even La Cage Folle, you know, all that stuff about the flamboyant gay guy. I mean, I think that's probably a little silly and quaint, uh, probably antiquated. Um, the so first that, uh, really updated that story for modern generations. Uh, I've not seen that one. The Robin um, Williams, Nathan Lane thing? You know, no, I've, that's right. I've never seen that one. I saw there was an original La Caja Full, which I remember when I was a kid uh, seeing. Um, but, but anyway, the point of farce often is that you have uh, these exaggerated situations. You know what? Farce is basically a two-hour sitcom. That, that's how I think I would I would put it. Uh, okay, thank you. That's that's fine. Okay. So, but, but what, I, what I kind of resist when I hear someone say that Lynn Shelton's movies are like modern day farce is I don't I don't think farce takes its characters as seriously as Lynn Shelton's movies do. Uh, I, I don't think I, I think farce would play it just for laughs and wouldn't really have this sort of honesty and poignance that, that's in your sister's sister. Uh, so I, I hear that, and I can sort of see why someone might say that. But I think of farce. You know, I think it's, I, I tried to watch Hope Springs, for instance, 
that is, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's farce because farce implies something funny, but that was just like uncomfortable and awkward and just exaggerated and gross. And uh, I mean, that's something that I would dismiss by calling it out. That's like farce. I want no part of that. It's dated. It's an old form of comedy. Blah. Um, Hmm. And I, I just don't think, and I, technically that's incorrect, I don't think Hope Springs is supposed to be farce. I just thought it was awful enough that, that I found it that. Uh, is Hope Floats related to that movie? The Sandra Bullock so. cheerleader? Okay. Well, well, Tom, let me, t- let me just uh, take us off in a different direction here. Hmm? Um, why do you think I originally suggested to you, and also to Kelly, but mainly to you, that you guys watch um, Hump Day? What do you think first inspired me to suggest you watch this? What, what do you think he was getting at, Kelly? Should we read uh, too much into that? He's the well, beardy I'm talking, man. I'm talking specifically <laughs> to you, Tom, because because. Let's see. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, let me. See. I would guess because it is incredibly hilarious. Uh, it. It is not. It, it is. It is willing to play with. It is, it is willing to put forth kind of jokes that don't often get put forth or examined closely. It's this kind of unmined territory. Uh, I think the performances in it are just fantastic. I love the way that Lynn Shelton shoots and edits it. Um, it's it's a fantastic, amazing comedy. So is is, is there something beyond that though that you're getting at? No, it, you're you're exactly in the right track. But the the thing that leaps off that that I that I jump off of um, is another director who uh, who does another movie that that you suggested to me, and this is Kelly Reichardt's Old Joy. And I think if you jump from Old Joy to Hump Day, mm-hmm. there's this this great, and this is why I love. How you described French farce as sort of sitcommy, even though I don't think that's what Hump Day is. But I I love the idea of of sort of converting what happens in Old Joy into in <laughs> again this is not plot driven in any way. It's just sort of converting characters. Uh, when I watched Hump Day for the first time, uh, and just and just experienced it for the first time, I thought this is Old Joy, but lighter and funnier and almost in a sitcom area, even though I don't like sitcoms. Mm-hmm. So that that's the first reason. And in the last 10 minutes that Kelly got all squicked out about is why I was a little bit shy about pushing it too much with you guys, because I was like, I don't want these guys to think I want to make out with them. <laughs> um, but I really want them to watch this movie because I loved old joy so much. And I like how hump day takes the ideas that Old Joy treats seriously in a different way, but is funnier. I, I kept w- sort of casting about for a way to connect this to Old Joy because the two characters, there are definitely parallels there. Uh, but but for me, just the fact that Hump Day is so blatantly, baldly about sexuality uh, sort of yeah. separates it from, from Old Joy. But as far as like the, uh, the, the mechanics of the relationships, very similar to Old Joy. But uh, you're right, uh, and you're definitely right there. But, but so much of Hump Day's identity is in these ideas of sexual identity. Uh, and, you, you know, the, the sexuality in, the rela- in Mark Duplass and Alicia, oh, I'd come, I meant to look up her name. What is the name of the actress in Hump Day, Dingus? <laughs> uh. 
Huh, guys? Uh, Alicia Delmore. Uh, the, the, the sexuality between um, Mark Duplass and Alicia Delmore's characters, between Joshua Leonard and Lynn Shelton herself, and, and Lynn Shelton's lover, and certainly between uh, Joshua Leonard and Mark Duplass. I mean, there's, there, there's this kind of triangle of different competing sexualities that gives the movie its structure. Uh, and ultimately... What I, I found so engaging in Hump Day and what was kind of missing from Old Joy, because it wasn't about this, uh, was this commentary on, and this is kind of like farce, on contemporary mores and sexuality and how that connects you know, friends, uh, married couples, uh, people who meet at parties. Um, I love how it unpacked that around this outrageous premise of what if two straight guys wanted to make a, a porn film together. Um, mm. I found it hard to fathom why Marty Plass's character would be that bored that quickly. I mean, I'm going to be seeing you guys in a couple of weeks, and we haven't seen each other in a few months, and we'll probably see the new Conan or something, but I just... Well, Kelly, why don't I talk to you, you about a... Go, go ahead, Dingus. No, go ahead, Tom. I was just going to make a joke about wanting to talk to Kelly Wanda about a film project I'm interested in doing. <laughs> uh, where, where, where I got from that, Kelly Wanda, wasn't that it was boredom. And I think what the movie is setting up, and I love this, by the way, uh, is it's it, they, they push this out of a sense of competitiveness. I mean, the basketball game that they have, which is so ridiculous, and I love the way that was shot. I love the way that progressed. That's what sets the stage for what is eventually going to be the same kind of sexual wrestling. Uh, it's going to be a not wanting to back down, you know, both of them fighting over a ball, uh, the sense of competitiveness and, and childhood friend, friendship that, that feeds into that, uh, and these competing identities they have, and this insecurity about their own self-identity. Uh, I think that's a large part of what Lynn Shelton really wants to examine in Hump Day. You know, that Joshua Leonard's character is not quite as progressive and worldly as he wants to think of himself, and that Mark Duplass's character isn't quite as certain about his home life and his family and his future plans as he wants to believe he is. Um, so that basketball game where, where they end up coming to loggerheads, that occurs immediately before the scene where they would normally laugh about what they had decided to do and then back down from it. Um, so it's almost out of a sense of one-upsmanship that it happens rather than use the word boredom. I, I sort of feel like it's more competitiveness than, than boredom. Well, that's, what, that's just f boredom phase two. It's competitiveness. We get bored, so we play games together. Well, it's it's not just boredom though. You have to look at what's going on in that in that guy's life, in in uh, in Mark Duplass's life, or uh, what's his character's name? Ben? Is that is it Ben in Hump Day? Uh, I mean, it, it's what's going on in his his married life, in in the way that he goes home and falls asleep, and then she mounts him in order to <laughs> in order to make a baby. I mean, which you you see in your sister's sister. The, Totally different way, but not so different. Um, you know, it's something that he he's going through, and, and he's trying to explore. You know, what what did I miss? What have I missed? And and you see that in the in the dichotomy of the the, the pork chop scene, and in the what is it, the Dionysus scene that's going on at the same time. I mean, th it, this isn't just boredom. This is uh, this is a man trying to figure out what's my identity, what have I missed in life, and can I explore it in this way? Yeah. I see. I think people have babies just because they're bored. 
So that's he was bored there, and then when the friend came, he realized he was that bored, and then went to. The party. <laughs> Did you say people have babies because they're bored? Yeah, that's why they do anything. <laughs> basketball games. I've always went, the basketball game was my favorite part of the movie. The second car horn was <laughs> the high what, point. What about high fiving the kids on the bike? <laughs> <laughs> it took me back, Tom. <laughs> uh, so, so Kelly, one, what? Because I just thought I I was cringing and laughing. I mean, I was so engaged with this thing. I, I, I was just so constantly either grinning or laughing out loud at what was going on in this movie. Like Mark Duplass's conversation with uh, Alicia Delmore, where he's going, where he's convinced that he's going to tell her that they're going to make the movie and how he just wilts over the course of that conversation. Yeah. That just had me in stitches. They're both so good. That scene was just written, and I mean, a lot of it was improvised, I'm sure, and improvised so well. Uh I, I just I, I love the comedy here, and that's sustained all the way through that awkward, awful hotel sequence. So, Kelly, one, did you really have a problem with that, or were you just cringing too much, or uh, wh- why do you say what you said about the last ten minutes? I just felt it was. They suddenly go, "Wait, what are we doing?" and then call it off. But I mean, it seemed like I love the movie up till that point, and I love the. It's not a porn festival. It's a porn, you know. It's artistic. Like that was all really good. He's a really good stammerer. Oh, he natter. He natters like he's the best natterer since Vince Vaughn. I think he is amazing yeah. at that. Yeah, Very nice. <laughs> that's a that's a real thing, by the way. You know that, right? Hump. Yeah, I think it's called Hump. Uh, what? The film festival. The the sort of the hump, amateur hump fest. Porn. That's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. It was Seattle, though, right? Like that's how Seattle is. It's 45 minutes away from me, guys. Kelly Wand, you should enter. I uh, can't find my passport. <laughs> uh, and I also just like, I mean, basically how they push it as far as they can push it before they have to admit to themselves, we're morons. This was a stupid <laughs> idea. <laughs> Uh, and I just I I love that she shot that and that we got to sit there and watch all of that. I mean, the whole movie is kind of leading up to how long is it going to take these guys to discover that you, you know the the issues with uh, just the logistics, the mechanics of how this is going to work, and that it actually talks about those things. Uh, I I just found all that hilarious. I think it would have been a lesser movie without those last ten minutes, Kelly Wand. Well, you need there needed to be something there, but it's like I, I didn't. I was having trouble understanding what they were like back in their heyday that they're calling back to because they go, oh, we're going to do it for art. Like, that's how it comes up. Is he fall? He smokes weed and gets drunk at the party. Mm-hmm. And then they all go, the lesbians all go, yeah, man, art, I'll, I'll be really impressed if you do that. But then by the time they get there, they seem to have lost sight of that. Well, right. They, I think I think the basketball game is more the impetus for it. That art is what they say in their their drunken, stoned moments, but what eventually carries them through the day up to that night, because it's only a space of a couple of days here, uh, is that that competitiveness that you saw in the basketball game. I think. Um, mm. uh, let's talk about some of the actors in this. So. Uh, I had previously known Mark Duplass as, as a director. I had seen Cyrus, and I think I think I saw Baghead way back when, um, and was never that impressed with anything he directed. Um, so that was another thing that I was just so pleased with when I saw Hump Day is just how good he is and how sincere and engaging and and funny he is. Uh, I want to talk about Alicia Delmore in a second, but. Kelly Wan, do you know where you've seen Joshua Lennon? Yeah, he was on the. Or wait, 
I know Mark Duplass from the league. See, I don't know what that is. That's a, that's like a sitcom about fantasy football or something, right? Yeah. Well, it's not a sitcom because those have to have laugh tracks, don't they? It's not the sit part. Is laugh? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's their short for. Uh, what was the question? Joshua Leonard uh, from the Blair Witch Project wasn't he? That yeah, guy? yeah. He's he was Josh in Blair Witch Project. Uh, was he playing the same character? <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Did he survive? See, because that would explain a lot of what he does in the movie. Because it's like if you've been with that with Heather and what was the other guy's name in Blair Witch? Uh, Mike. Tubby. Amanda Donovan. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Can't see a map then. Uh, he's actually, uh, of the three people in Blair Witch Project, he's arguably had the most successful career. Poor Amanda Donahue has, uh, like, she was never able to, able to parlay that into more stuff. She recently wrote a book, I think, about, about marrying a, a marijuana farmer in Oregon or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so Joshua Leonard's arguably the most successful guy from Blair Witch Project. I would say probably even more successful than the, than the two poor guys who directed it. Um, but I also recently saw him in a, a weird torture porn horror movie where uh, James Legro plays uh, a TV chef and Joshua Leonard is a food critic who who writes a bad review of James Legro. So James Legro kidnaps and tortures him. Uh, and it's a movie called Bitter Feast, and it's awful. And Joshua Leonard is awful in it. And so that's another reason that I really liked Hump Day, is Joshua Leonard was great in this. Uh, and, and they had so much chemistry, those two guys. Um, Remember the food critic in Spanglish? Ugh, I don't, I've don't. never seen Spanglish. Okay. I've decided that's my story going forward, Kelly Wand. It's that I have not seen Spanglish. <laughs> or speak it. <laughs> Uh, so, so Dingus, uh, did you know any of these actors? Had you seen any of them before? Do you know this, this league thing that Kelly Wand is talking about? Mm. I, I knew none of them before watching this movie. Uh, the first time I watched Tump Day was the first time I think I saw Mark Duplass, and then we then we saw him again in in uh, Greenberg. Um, I don't think I'd seen him before this. I I have as is famously known. I have never seen Blair Witch Project, so I didn't know Just Leonard, and I didn't know. Um, and I, I can't even remember her name now. I apologize for not knowing. What's Alicia Al- Alicia Delmore. Alicia Delmore. I I didn't know any of them. And mm-hmm. I, uh, you, one of the things I love about Hump Day, and uh, this is something I love about Kelly Reichert's films as well as I love about Lynn Shelton's films, is that uh, this ability to take amateurs and and make them because of chemistry uh, make it work. And I think that, that the chemistry really works. I don't know if you can really say that that these are good actors if you look at Hump Day, but I love the way the chemistry works. I love the way the scenes work. I really, really like it. Why can you not say they're good actors? I, I, I just don't. Uh, well, I, I think Mark Duplass is very good. I think he's very good. But but when we get to your sister's sister, I think you're going to see some differences between what he's doing and what the uh, what the two actresses are doing. Okay, um, fair, I, fair point. Um, and I, I think that if you if you try to throw um, if you try to throw any one of these three actors in with with into a pond of uh, a bunch of good of people that we think are these are really good actors. They're going to flounder a little bit, but together this chemistry really, really works. Fair point because that is uh, a, a 
a central fact of your sister's sister, uh, and it's in the title, is that the two actresses in that are just so amazing. Uh, and so Mark Duplass kind of, and it's it's by intention. I mean, it serves the story very well. Uh, he, he can't quite hold a candle to how brightly they burn. Uh, right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about that. So uh, I, I saw your sister's sister. I uh, was real excited to see it after Hump Day, um, and was really excited for uh, Dingus you to see it, for Kelly uh, for for you to see it. Um, how did this work, Kelly? One, let's have you go first. So you kind of enjoyed Hump Day. You didn't care for the last ten minutes. What would your assessment of your sister's sister be? Mm, the last ten minutes are the least good, but it's really good. I loved it. And it kind of made me like Hump Day less because it showed me that it was sort of a, uh, a minor Shelton. <laughs> but your sister said it was like, it kind of reminded me of Closer, that Clive Owen movie, but it, but nice, like like a rom-com version of Closer. Yeah, Closer's Sherry, awfully, yeah. Closer's... Gary Marshall version of Closer. <laughs> oh, God. Don't I hate myself. Yeah, I know. That was terrible. I apologize. <laughs> I don't even mean what I'm saying. I just lie. Uh, yeah. More, okay. But it was good. I really liked Like Every scene was just, every line felt um, like it was just getting more and more horrible as it went <laughs> in a fun way. Mm-hmm. And it all worked out. It was like a happy ending from nothing. Uh, Dingus, how did you feel about your sister's sister? <laughs> well, first of all, I, I don't think it's fair to call the, the first real movie of somebody their minor. Uh, because what I love about your sister's sister is that you see where this, where, where Lynn Shelton is going as a writer and director. And, and Hump Day is a, is a good, is a really solid start. And, and I don't think it's fair to say that's, I mean, I think it's, it's fine to call, I don't know what you guys have said, a minor, uh, I don't know, a minor, Humpty's, Humpty's a minor Anderson or a minor whatever, whatever, something that comes along later as a minor blah, blah, blah. But, but if it's, the, if, if it's her first movie, it's her first major movie as a writer director, Humpty is great. And then you see your sister's sister as a step up from that. And what's, what, what I love about it is that, Enough people loved Hump Day to be able to get Rosemary DeWitt and Emily Blunt to sign on to it and then do this thing with this woman as only the writer-director, and they didn't bring a bunch of other people on and make something this beautiful as the next step up. So uh, I'm sorry to, to jump on you, Kelly, but I don't think you just you, – you say – Hump Day is, is a minor blah, 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 is a minor Lynn Sheldon because that's her first movie, and then she makes your sister sister. I, I, I prefer to look at it as a glass half full kind of thing because I loved your sister sister so much, um, and I loved Hump Day too. But, but she's she's with training wheels on that, and now she's got a bike. Uh, Save it for the three by three, Dingus. Uh, sorry, I apologize. That was that. Was, I jumped. The, I jumped to the. I jumped to the bike. Uh, what points of uh, commonality do you guys see, though? Granted that uh, I I get what you're both well, getting wait, at. Well, I, why don't you why don't you why don't you weigh in here? Oh, I loved it again. Uh, well, and I just wanted to say, kind of as an extension of Hump Day, what she was getting at with Hump Day, uh, this these stories about uh, contemporary mores and uh, the relationships among families and and this kind of triangle of relationships. Uh, I loved it as an extension, as a growth, as as a as a bit of progression from Hump Day, but specifically as a showcase for two amazing female performances. Yeah. Very different, very amazing. 
Uh, Mark Duplass, you know, Kelly Wan, you said it was like he's the same character from Hump Day. Even though the characters have very different perspectives, his his sort of role uh, is just sort of a nattering nice guy it is very much the same. And he doesn't push that much. Um, but it's so much about the two of them. Uh, the, the two women in this. Uh, and they're both, both tremendous and they're both so good and so different. Um, and, and, and just so keenly written and acted and observed as people. Uh, and, and I like how you learn things about them. And I like how, uh, you know, Kelly Wan, you mentioned the last 10 minutes. Um, it goes by kind of fast. Like it, Things come to a head, and they're awful, and they're terrible, and it gets glossed over pretty quickly, but I'm kind of okay with that uh, for specific reasons that we'll talk about in a second. Um, but, yes, I, I, I loved your sister's sister. Um, it's it's all right the way that it happens. It's, just, it's shown as a passage of time. It's not supposed to be an instant thing. They right. show a passage of time as, as efficiently and compactly as you can. And Exactly, and it is very efficient and compact, and... Uh, it, it does exactly what it needs to do. It doesn't feel like a pat, let's quickly reset. And it draws a lot on what you know about their relationship and how they feel about each other. You know, they can only be so angry. Emily Blunt can only be so angry at Rosemary DeWitt for so long. Uh, there are just so many other facts about their relationship that will bring the, the situation to where it eventually gets. I guess I, I, I just found the situation more interesting than Hump Day's situation, which is really just about Mark Duplass's two-day uh, random decision to want to um, <clears throat> sleep with his friend. While as in Your Sister's Sister, there's a lot going on, and I kind of see where everyone was coming from in a, in a, in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Dingus' son agrees. Yes, he does. He's very much in agreement. With that. Kelly Wan, do you prefer the sex scene from Hump Day or Your Sister's Sister? <laughs> mm, wait, which one in Hump Day? Uh, that's, a, uh, that's a tough question, isn't it? Fuck. <laughs> You fell into his trap. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I guess your sister's sister's too funny and too great. Because yeah, I like even after he goes, oh shit, I squealed. Sorry, he goes at the end. <laughs> he goes, thank you. And, and uh, there's a dissolve to that uh, beautiful stream with that one branch that looks like a dick on the left side, left kind of. It was great. You know, that that's definitely one of the greatest sex scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> Hump days is really good though. It's it's not it's not a minor Shelton sex scene in Hump Day. <laughs> it's just Hump Day, like they said in like one of the lines of dialogue towards the end. Of Hump Day was like, "Hey, this could have been anything. We just for some reason thought, yeah, we'll have sex and make a porno movie, but we could have said, hey, let's uh, climb Everest or something." And so I kind of agree with that statement. While as in your sister's sister, it was more um, a bunch of awesome shit that happened mm-hmm. in a in a wild weekend. Uh, how did you feel about the way? It... <laughs> Sorry, I was realizing it was the same thing as the other movie. But go on. <laughs> how did you feel about the way it ended? Mm, I bought it. Did 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 it need to? Did you need more screen time? Did you need to find out more at the ending, or were you okay with that? Because it cut off before anything. Like it's one of those minor note endings where, you know, it cuts off before. I I, I, think... I go ahead. Well, I have a, Emily Blunt's expression is the most indicative that uh, it's a yes. Oh, wait, yeah, so you... Go ahead, Dingus. No, no, go ahead, Tom. 
Uh, so you think that the, the question is answered? Because I, I think the, in, the genius of when Lynn Shelton decides to end your sister's sister, uh, and if you're listening, please don't, because see these movies first and then, and then listen, because we want you to enjoy them without us ruining them for you. Uh, I think the genius of the ending of Hump Day is that the characters know the question, you know, is Rosemary De- DeWitt pregnant? The audience does not. They do not let Lynn Shelton... No, your sister's sister, not Hump Day. Oh, book. sorry, your sister, right. Uh, in, your, in your sister's sister, the, the characters know the answer, the audience doesn't. She cuts it off at the time before they would indicate the answer. They see, they know, we're not privy. Uh, and I, I love that. I'm fine with that because the point is not whether Rosemary DeWitt is pregnant. The point is the fact that they're all sitting together there in the same room, that they've come together after all of this. They've created this kind of new family unit. Um, and the point is not whether or not they're actually a family. Right. Uh, but I, so I always... so why, do, why do we need that scene instead of the hug scene? I mean, that 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 seems like I'll tell you why no I'll t- no no it's not a tease I think it's a bookend I mean the movie one of the one of the beautiful things I think about your sister sister is it's one of these movies uh where characters have to retreat to a certain point to discover something about themselves and often this is characters going out into the country from the city um so it's kind of a bookend because we start in the city you know in the difficult place that he is with his life you even see her at work i guess it's seattle or whatever they then go right. out to the country something happens they then bring this back into the city it's not something that gets left behind in the country i think from a narrative perspective it's important to know that they go back to their old world and bring with them what they've created and discovered in the new world out in the country. Um, that would that would be my answer. Uh, See, for me, it's like if you have a fifty-one percent or greater theory based on what you're shown, one way or the other. And so, for me, it's like slightly in favor of. But yeah, I agree with you too. It doesn't matter because that's an important part of your sister's sister is that these things happen there they happen in a pocket away from the each uh, each of the characters others lives uh they happen in a pocket in a socially isolated pocket you know they point out no telephones no tv no internet whatever uh i i think there's this kind of um not a pressure cooker because that implies some kind of uh force or violence or terrible thing but but uh i just pocket they they all this stuff happens in a pocket of isolation um from the trappings of the rest of their lives i think that's kind of important that's that's an important part of the way the story is presented um Hmm. so so dingus did you feel that you didn't need that uh you know i didn't uh i liked i i I gotta be honest. I really like the way you like way you put it. I didn't catch the uh, shift in location as key to. No, no, I just didn't catch it. And so, and w- what you're saying makes a lot of sense because it's... we've talked about pockets of time. We talked about that in the summer three by three in particular. Um, and I really like what you just said there, and that makes a whole lot of sense. But me watching that particular scene, all I was focused on was, oh God, we're going to have this. Um, is it or isn't it? <gasps> pause moment instead and and i'm going to get distracted by that and i'm going to have to look at exactly what kelly just said about i'm going to have to look at iris's face and have to do a divining (laughs) rod kind of a thing and i don't want to do that at that moment 
I really love the moment where where uh, where the three of them come together in that embrace. I love that moment so much. And what you're saying, Tom, about them then bringing it into the city or into their lives makes a lot of sense. But I didn't make the mental transition there because I was in the mo- in the emotional moment right. of them just having that huge hug, which I really loved. And now and now we're in the bathroom and we're doing this silly. Uh, okay, we're going to have a moment instead. Uh, but I like I like the transition you're making, Tom. I just didn't see it. Well, it's definitely there. I mean, she does you know she does this several times in the movie. Generally, with the that sort of beautiful uh, countryside imagery and the 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 stream with the branch dick Kelly mentioned. Uh, but but she definitely they show image, <laughs> they, they show images of the city. Like there's definitely establishing shots of the city before we get that bathroom scene. Yeah, um, but I but I I just I totally missed it. You right. know, and and I and I liked a lot of those the those branch shots that a lot of the montage stuff I loved. I really loved the the music in this. I, I loved Vinny Smith's music in this very much. Yeah. Um so all those montages, that whole last part of them deciding what they're going to do is great, but I totally miss that we're transitioning into the city into the rest of their lives. And I like that you really kind of bookended that for me, because otherwise that last scene, I, I, I kind of wish a better scene would have been written. Because I, I, a, a scene of them looking at, at a, a pregnancy stick and then us not knowing other than her face, I don't... I don't <laughs> It feels gimmicky to me, and I don't want that at the end of this movie, which I love so much. And, you know, it's it, it's not going to affect overall how I feel about the movie because I'm crazy about it. But it, but it does give me sort of a, a false note at the end, which is unfortunate for me. But, but I guess that's on me because I missed the transition that you're talking about. Okay, fair enough. Also, I mean, it probably wasn't the first time they did that little congregation, too. Like maybe it was like the third week in a row. We didn't see those because those were the fails. Good point, Kelly Wand. I, I, I like mine better. <laughs> I, I do too because I, I just like that Tom. Uh, you know, sort of geographical. I've watched this movie at least two times, and I just didn't catch that we're going from a pocket to lives. And I, I like that because you know, there's that scene. It's just a heartbreakingly beautiful scene where Iris is telling Hannah, where where we've gone through this montage. Um, and at, at some point you're kind of feeling like, do we need another message? But where <laughs> Iris is in, Iris has gone to bed with, with Hannah after Hannah has said, I'm sorry. And, um, and Iris goes in there and, and starts to tell her, uh, I'll do the 3 a.m. feedings. And I've really thought about this. It's just such a heartbreakingly beautiful scene and they talk it through. I've loved it so much. And the idea that they then, and uh, you know, Tom, you, you make an excellent point. The, the idea that they then transition that from this cabin or summer camp or whatever you want to call it into their lives is a really great idea. I kind of wish it would have been more solid though. Right, right. Uh, talk a bit about uh, Dingus, what makes Emily Blunt and Rosemary DeWitt so good? Oh my lord, <laughs> they, they work together so well. I, I don't know what. What are you going to say? I, how the hell are you going to talk about that? I just, I yeah, I, I wouldn't begin to know what to say. There is just so much. They're so different. First of all, I mean, uh, just start at the accents for one thing, yeah. um, and the the different things that we've seen them in. 
but they they just have such a great energy that they play off of each other. They work so well as sisters and and they just understand how to build on this weird sister competitive energy and loving energy. It's just an incredible relationship. Yeah. Uh, and and it helps too like we've seen Rosemary DeWitt do great stuff like in uh um not Margot at the wedding. What's the one with Anne Hathaway, the wedding uh Rachel, Rachel. getting married. Right, right. Uh and and that's such a swirl of activity and th- this you can see Rosemary DeWitt just focused on one person, like the scenes of the two of them in bed having a conversation. And especially when they're like face to face you know, when Emily Blunt first comes into bed to tell Rosemary DeWitt that she loves Mark Duplass, and they're both shot from one side where you can see their faces, uh, and then eventually Rosemary DeWitt turns over and they're face-to-face and the camera's right above them. Uh, just seeing two very still actresses just looking right at each other talking. Uh, and there's a point even where after Emily Blunt has, has kissed her goodnight and said, okay, I'm going to bed, they just hold each other's gaze for a moment. Uh, and it's not the sort of thing, I mean, you don't write that in a script. It's just so organic, and there's just so much meaning and connection there. You know, there's no more dialogue in the scene, but they stop and they just look at each other for a minute. Um, they're just so good, and they're so good with each other, and, and a lot of it is how different they are. Uh, Emily Blunt, and I, I, I guess I wouldn't have guessed this, because she was kind of like really tough in Devil War Prada. And we talked about how awesome she was at chopping wood in Looper. You know, there was almost times in Your Sister, Sister, I was hoping she might go outside and chop some wood so we could see her heft that axe again. But but she's so kind of frail and effervescent and, and luminous in this and just so just happy and cheerful. Um, and, but and- not only that, she manages, and they both do this, but... She manages uh, Mark Duplass so well in that opening scene. <laughs> you know, she yeah. she looks at him like, and then she goes out in the hall and she says, "Did you imagine that was going? How did you imagine that?" <laughs> I mean, she she is the frail, like you said, but she also they, well, they both. I, I don't know if this is a casting thing, and maybe it is, but they 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 move him around expertly. <laughs> He really is kind of a puppet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <yeah. laughs> well, and her style too, Rosemary DeWitt. Um, I mean, good lord, she was just so in a in a way, just so incredibly like sexy and smoky, and it and it turns condescending. Uh, but she just kind of radiated intelligence. Um, I, I, God, this made this movie made me loathe the watch even more oh, for, for casting someone like her and doing nothing with God. her, just making her stand by Ben Stiller's side while he did insipid, unfunny things. Uh, I so resented that. She was uh, in that movie. Yeah, yeah, she was the the shrewish wife. Uh, He's so, trying to conceive in that too. She's so trying to. Oh, that's right. The same thing. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Talk about a one. I wonder if she thought of that on the set. Like I made this character already awesome, and now I'm. And and they both have turns where they're so incredibly vulnerable as well. Uh, It is so heartbreaking. Her scene with Mark Duplass when when he comes in to apologize and he says, "Okay, I'm going to leave. I don't want to get between the two of you." And she says, "Well, where are you going to go? You know, when are you going to? Are you coming? When are you coming back?" Uh, That's just like such a. It was such a, a little girl vulnerable moment. Uh, that was just so incredible and heartfelt. And he pats her head. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. All right. Yeah. 
but he, but he also has this, and this is what's so embarrassing, is he has this, I'm trying to cry scene. I'm going to put my head in the blanket, and I'm going to put my fingers in my eyes. And she is, like you said, patting his head. And then you see that moment where Rosemary DeWitt is looking at her sister. And there's just this emotion that's pouring out between the two of them. And I, I'm not I'm not meaning to, to, to talk down Mark Duplass, because he does a fine job, but he's clearly punching above his weight class. <laughs> well, you say that, that Dingus, I think that's one way to look at it, but I, I think it... It's entirely appropriate here because he's a very, yeah. at this point, you know, he's a, he even says, you know, he's emotionally crippled. He doesn't really know how to express or grapple with his feelings. I mean, we're introduced to him that way as a guy who really can't come to terms with whatever's going on with him in the, in the, the year since his brother's death. I mean, he, he's a guy who just is so out of touch and he's played kind of as a clown. Like I, this week's three by three was inspired by, just how ridiculous he is with that bike and his temper tantrum with that bike uh, and just the silliness of him riding around and gasping. You know, there's that long shot of him coming down a road and he finally gets off the bike and walks it. Um, he's such a ridiculous figure uh, in in the movie. And I think it, it fits the weight class that he's punching at, you, you might yeah, say. Yeah, that's, that's true. Even, even when he's peeking in the window in that ridiculous helmet. <laughs> Uh, You know, I'm curious about how much tequila that bottle holds, by the way. (laughs) That's his intervention, too. Yeah, I know. That's that's the best intervention ever. (laughs) Take a bike ride to my sister's cabin and have sex with her, even though she's a lesbian, so she could have a kid. Never mind. Spoiler alert. Uh, Dingus, did you catch their nicknames for each other, and did it remind you of anything? Uh, I believe I believe they were Bean. Yep. Yeah. And Puppy. Puppet. I think it was Puppet. Puppet. Yeah. I think it yeah. Was it was Puppet. Bean and Puppet. Very yep. good. Yeah. Wait, and, what does uh, this mean? Well, that's just you know I love in in movies when people get nicknames. We don't need them explained. We're not privy to that. But there's another movie. I don't know if you recall this, where uh, a mother had similarly ridiculous names for her children. Do you know what I'm thinking of here, Dingus? Oh God. Uh, Chicken and pickle. Oh, was it? That was. That's not um, uh, Tree of Life, is it? That's yeah, Squid and the Whale. Squid and the Whale. Crap. Yeah. Uh, Owen Klein and Jesse Heisenberg are, uh, I think, chicken and pickle, respectively. Uh, and then, uh, then Iris calls. Um, what's I can't. Is Mike, Mark Plus character named Jake? Jack. I, Iris I thought it was just Jack. A Jack. Uh, stink. Be stink something. Stink. I don't know when she when she goes into to his after after she's in the scene with Hannah and Hannah says sleep on it and then she goes right. and sleeps with him <laughs> literally sleeps mm-hmm. uh, she she calls him stink something it was, it was, they have cute names but I love that Bean and and Puppet that's the only time we hear it and it's never explained well Bean and Puppet are actually used more than once I think the stink bug okay. thing is only once but you do hear Bean and Puppet a couple of times. Okay. Um, so, uh, and that's the thing too is I, I love how, and this comes from extensive improv, I, I presume. It, uh, 
Well, actually, I'm sure some of it's written. But I love what a sense there is for them having a history, like with the story about the bush trimming uh, and even Mark Duplass talking about the guys she dates. I mean, th- there's such a great fly-on-the-wall quality here where they're not explaining certain things. You know, it's kind of like that scene with uh, Brad Pitt and James Gandolfini where they're talking about Sonny. We don't know who she is. We're not privy to that. These are just two characters who have a history, and they're not going to explain everything. We're just going to watch them talk, and we're going to have to infer certain things, and that's fine. Uh, I love how much that happens here, and I just love how, how real it feels uh, amongst them. Um, and sure. let me be clear again that I really think that Mark Duplass does a fine job. It's just that, like, even when he's in that hallway after the scene with Mike Berbiglia, uh, and then he's having that confrontation about this is my intervention, right, with uh, Emily Blunt, you just see the difference between a guy who's learning to be an actor and a star. I mean, it's really difficult not to notice right, that. Right. And he Who does is- a fine, fine job. That was Mike Berbiglia in the in the party in the eulogy scene, or that that yeah yeah he's the he's the, he's Tom's friend Mike Berbiglia who's the who's the guy in um, Sleepwalk. Sleepwalk. Oh, which I haven't seen. I did not know that was him. Ah, okay. Yeah, and he's I think he's uh, I think he was one of the executive producers, but I'm not sure. But yeah, that's him. And he does a, he does a fine job too. But uh, but it it is weird to watch to watch an actor acting with two stars. I mean, you don't want to think that because I've been an actor. You want to think, you know, we're all actors, blah, blah, blah. But there are people who are stars, and you just can't get around that. Ask me if uh, I've ever had any experience like your sister's sister. (laughs) Uh, So as far as, like, our own personal ability to relate to (laughs) the movies, Hump Day and your sister's sister, Kelly Wan, is there anything in your sister's sister that, like, for instance, we'll start with that one you could particularly relate to. Yeah, I did Sisters once, but only one of them was Siamese. One, two, three. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. Yeah! You'd almost think, you'd almost think that was set up. <laughs> Just erase Tell that. On. This week's 3x3 three three is about... <laughs> Why are you asking me? I didn't do this one. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Oh, it's I'm about sorry. By your audience. Yeah, it's okay. Right, right. Uh, Kelly One, it's about bicycles. Oh. Now, what I am hoping to find out this week, and I, I figure you won't disappoint me, uh, is whether or not there are any bicycles in, in a Cannonball Run movie. Uh, I don't know. I figure if there are, it'll be one of your, uh, one of your choices on a 3x3. Three uh, By the way, and, uh, your sister's sister where he's doing that thing with the bike going, fuck you! That's how right. I feel about uh, the rain in Vancouver. I could just yell impotently at it every morning. Could you throw it against a dumpster and break a bicycle helmet against it? No, I wish I could. That's actually satisfying compared to what right. I can do. Right. Thanks. So, I, I hope you know that's that's off the table. I hope you guys picked that for this week's 3x3, because uh, I didn't put it on mine. So what I'm looking for, you guys, are instances of bicycles in movies that demonstrate whether or not bicycles are ridiculous or awesome. Wait, why uh, was that one off the table? Pardon? Why was that one off the table? That was a good one. Uh, well, it's what inspired the 3x3 before I knew we would be seeing this movie. I don't know. Maybe, okay, if you used it, because it, it would have been my number one, and it, it would have uh, been... awesome? 
<laughs> no, no, for for ridiculous. It, it was uh-huh. The ridiculous call. I just trolled you. <laughs> uh, I don't know that that was a troll. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a quote from the, the Two Towers? I don't know that that was a trope. Uh, well, we're starting with Dingus because he has next week's 3x3. Three three. So, Dingus, what's your number three example of whether or not a bicycle is awesome or ridiculous? All right, I've got a quote from it. Mm-hmm. Ready? He was Big Adventure. Wizard of Oz. Wiz. Thank you. Wiz. Yes, it's, it's, of course, the Wizard of Oz. Um, and the reason bicycles are, redi- are, uh, not ridiculous, awesome, um, <laughs> is gets, because. You keep getting mixed up. That's funny. It is funny. It's because Miss Gulch, who is also the Wicked Witch of the West, but, but I'm talking about Miss Gulch in this case, uh, she rides her bike in this awesome theme, um, by Herbert, uh, What's his name? Herbert Stuthart, I think. Um, uh, and uh, I, I think bikes are awesome because, uh, and this is a personal thing rather than a movie thing. I, I just, I, first of all, I love this this moment where uh, Miss Gulch is riding her little bike along. But what's great about this bike moment is that um, because this this moment is just sort of grafted onto my memory of her riding the bike with this musical theme and I watched this movie with my son about a year ago and uh, now whenever we stop at an intersection and see a bike crossing across us and and that bike is going at a certain rhythm, if you can imagine sort of the person pushing the pedals at the certain rhythm uh, either one of us my son in the back seat or I will go and that happens every single time we see a bike when we're in the car. And that's why bikes are awesome in movies. All right. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but one of these days I'll get around to seeing that movie and I'll... Uh, You've already it. seen it. Stop it. Wizard of Oz? You've seen Wizard of Oz. When have I seen Wizard of Oz? Oh, maybe you haven't. No, I've never seen Wizard of Oz. I mean, I know I know stuff from it, like through cultural osmosis. What about the Dark Side of the Moon thing? Did you ever do that? I have heard that album, yes. <laughs> I've listened to that album, Kelly. Remember Bob. that part where it goes, da 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 Afraid I do not. Terrible, uh, terrible conversation. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to mess up with your category here. I really do no, like I, I believe, that. No, I believe that there's moment. a... Okay, no, I, I, yeah, I just have nothing to... Why didn't you see Wizard of Oz? Because it's got flying monkeys and shit in it. It doesn't interest you. I get that reference. Wait, what is your resistance based on? Like, oh, it's two 1930s for my... Uh... I see what you did there. Thank you. I was hoping someone would. Uh, Kelly Wand, what is your number three pick for a bicycle in a movie that demonstrates whether bikes are ridiculous or awesome? My number three is ridiculous from the motion picture AET, Extraterrestrial. It's ridiculous because... Bikes don't a, fly. Yeah. A... Right. If they hadn't flown, like, he would have gone over a cliff if E.T. couldn't have made shit. So he was going to kill himself. (laughs) Two, cops can't hit flying targets. That's bullshit. And three, why is he pedaling past the moon if E.T.'s driving? He doesn't need to pedal. He's, like, flying. So, we're in the movie. It's a good point. It never occurred to me the physics. You should cut the bikes out and leave the guns in. (laughs) 
So you just fly him up anyway. You're just carrying him on foot. All right. That's that's one option. Um, Number three. All right. My number three pick, uh, and I feel that it demonstrates that bicycles are awesome, is uh, in the ice storm, there's a moment early on where uh, Joan Allen is talking to someone in the, the town, and she looks out at the street and she sees her daughter, Christina Ricci, on a bicycle just soaring by on the street. Uh, and she kind of mutters, I haven't been on a bike in years. Uh, and then later she tries to talk to Christina Ricci about, oh, I saw you riding your bike. And Christina Ricci thinks she's in trouble because of something that she was doing later in the day, earlier in the day. Um, but it's just this great moment where a mother sees her daughter riding a bicycle uh, and uses it to connect to her own childhood and to her daughter. Uh, I just love that scene. Um, what? So, what do you mean, what? What? Uh, Yes, Kelly. I, <laughs> I don't remember that part, so I guess it never happened. It's a, it's a very minor part, uh, but it's like the, the, movie, the movie does lovingly shoot Christina Ricci riding her bicycle through those. Is it Connecticut? I don't know where that movie takes place. Some some place out there, but there there are shots of Christina Ricci riding around on her bike uh, that definitely appreciate how sort of idyllic it is to see a, a child riding a bicycle. Um, is Elijah Wood on a bike when he gets electrocuted? Uh, that's a spoiler, and no. <laughs> or is it Toby uh, McGuire? You know what? You know what, Kelly Wand, uh, wait till you hear my number two. Oh. Uh, Dingus, what is your number two choice for uh, a bicycle in a movie that demonstrates whether bikes are awesome or ridiculous? All right, here's a quote from it. This damn bike, I hate this bike. I hate this friggin' bike. God, I hate it. Friggin'. That's his Midnight Run voice. Oh, uh, is it Charles Grodin? Yeah, okay, Midnight Run. But friggin'. Because <laughs> they take a bike because he, he's afraid of the airplane. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a wonderful precursor uh, to Your Sister's Sister, actually. Um, and this is the movie Karate Kid. Uh, Which one? The Will Smith, Jaden Smith? Nice try. Uh, this is Ralph Macchio. He's uh, riding his bike, and um, the Cobra Kai come out on motorcycles, and and they say, uh, "Looking for a shortcut back to New Jersey, Daniel?" And then they drive him off the road because they're all on motorcycles because they live in the San Fernando Valley, <laughs> and kids all ride around on motorcycles in the San Fernando Valley, as we know. And they drive him off of an embankment, and Daniel. Uh, hurts himself, and then he 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 throws his bike. He kicks his bike and he throws it against a dumpster, and he throws it in into the dumpster as his mom looks on. Um, and uh, what I love about this and why why this makes bikes awesome is that this inspires Daniel because he's so mad at his bike and mad at having to move to the San Fernando Valley from New Jersey. It makes him learn to, uh, it makes him demand that his mom let him take karate. And so he learns to take ah. karate and then he can, uh, then he can defend himself and not worry about that. And again, and eventually, you know, Everything with his bike works out, but uh, at first you would think, "Oh, bikes are horrible because they they can't fight against motorcycles. Bikes against motorcycles, and motorcycles are always going to win." But the, that lesson teaches Daniel to go and uh, defend himself in another way. But so I, I just, what so I the I love, Karate Kid movies would not exist without his bicycle. 
So karate works against motorcycles? Exactly, yeah. Karate against oh. motorcycles. Yeah, that's right. That's like the rock, paper, scissors. But it's sort of like the prime mover of all the events of Karate Kid are the fact that he has a bicycle and not some other form of transportation. Absolutely right, yes. Uh, but but what I loved is that watching your sister's sister reminded me of that dumpster moment. <laughs> right. Daniel beats his bike against the dumpster and then throws it into the dumpster. And his mom's like, what are you doing to your bike? And he's like, I hate this friggin' bike. And so your sister's sister, while it inspired this topic for you, Tom, it made me think of Karate Kid. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm, fair enough. Uh, all right, Kelly Wand, what do you have for your number two choice that uh, is evidence that bikes are ridiculous or awesome? Uh, my number two is uh, in Pippi Longstocking in the South Seas. She made a flying bike that went through a volcano, which I thought was pretty cool. Whoa. That's awesome. I know. Right. I don't see that in other movies. Except E.T., which also has flying bikes. They don't go through volcanoes, though. Yeah, but he needed E.T. to do that shit. Pippi could make it her own self. Nice. She was an engineering genius. That was that character's trait. Pippi Longstocking a superhero? What was the horse's name? Not Mr. Nelson. Yeah, because she was super strong. And, like, her burps would knock over pirates and shit. This is a movie? Yeah. <laughs> Pippi. Told you I had a crush on Annika. You remember that? Tommy from and Annika, Star, from, friends. The, from the Star Wars prequels? <sighs> why, do, why must our conversations continue? <laughs> uh, my <laughs> number three pick is uh, also the Ice Storm. <sighs> because there's a point where uh, Christina Ricci is, is walking away. Uh, she's done something that has upset Elijah Wood's family. And she's, she's walking away. She actually has her bike, and she's walking her bike. And it shows her leaving the house. You know, she's going down the path away from the house. And Elijah Wood, whose house she's left, comes riding up behind on his bicycle. And he's angry at her. And he's riding along behind her while she's walking her bike. And she's ignoring him. He's just behind her. And he says, I never want to see you again. And she says, oh, is that why you came after me? <laughs> he realizes it. She totally just pwned him. So he tries to do a U-turn on his 10-speeder. <laughs> and it kind of, uh, he actually pulls the U-turn off pretty well, but he can't quite get his feet on the pedal to stalk away, like to storm away quickly. And he fumbles it and looks silly. Like it's hard to do a U-turn and peel away on a 10-speeder when you're a kid. Uh, so uh, he doesn't look nearly as dramatic as I think he hoped to look. And plus, she's not even looking. So uh, that's my number two choice, uh, and it's evidence that bicycles are ridiculous. But if she'd seen it, you would have said awesome, right? No, because he fumbles the getting his feet in the pedals. It's, it's that's like, his fault. Uh, yeah, but you don't need to do that in a car. You don't need to like line that's up true. your foot perfectly. And yeah. Never bring a bike to a car fight yeah. or motorcycle fight. Uh, so, Kelly Wan, no, no, Dingus, that leaves you. What now is your number one pick for whether bicycles are ridiculous or awesome? All right, so this is, again, an, another awesome, uh, because I've decided to use uh, preponderance of the evidence to decide that bicycles are awesome overall. Okay. And at first, this won't seem like bicycles are awesome, but I will be able to tell you why they are. And here's here's a uh, a bit of dialogue. A, bit, a quote. I think you'll be able to tell what movie it's from, from this quote. Thanks for bailing me out, Dad. Can you drop me off at Rushmore? I gotta go get a teacher fight. <laughs> uh, it's a good choice, actually, I have to admit. 
so when are bicycles? I, I when he gets I, when Bill Murray runs over it, it's it's awesome, right? Is that what you're talking about? Well, the the point is that okay, the 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 sequence I love is the is the is the uh, uh, you are forgiven sequence where um, <laughs> where Max Fisher has uh, sent the bees into uh, Herbert Bloom's Herman Bloom's. Uh, hotel room, and so he retaliates to Max by by taking his bike and running over it in his car and destroying the tire of of Max's bike. Uh, so you think bikes are horrible because all you have to do is run over them with the car and they're done. Mm-hmm. So Herman Bloom goes back to his factory, but in the very next moment, within this same montage sequence, Max is on another bike. Who knows where he got this bike? Bike is it? Is it his girlfriend's bike? Is it some other? Sorry. He has. He immediately has another bike, and he rides the bike into Herman Bloom's factory. He goes under Herman Bloom's car, and he sabotages Herman Bloom's car so that the brakes don't work anymore. And then Max rides on away. And then the next uh, moment in this same sequence is Herman Bloom almost running over. Uh, the gardener, because the brakes have been run out in his car. So my contention is that bikes are awesome is because they are easily replaceable, and and you can do a great deal of damage, and they're better than a car, because if a car gets disabled, a car is going to do far more damage to other people and other things, and it's very difficult to replace a car, but much easier to replace a bike. So bikes are very awesome because of Rushmore. I had a, a roommate in graduate school, Dingus, who in the place on his bicycle where you would normally have one of those thin bicycle pumps, he basically put a truncheon up in there because his theory was that if he ever got in an altercation, like with traffic, it would be easy for him to like wail away on somebody's car and just leave his bike behind. Like like he felt like he had less to lose <laughs> If, if there was an altercation, so he he armed his bike. Like, he was prepared to trash somebody's car, and then they could trash his bike. He wouldn't care. The person with the car would have lost out more. Like, he figured out the financial calculus of it, uh, and therefore armed his bike. Um, I, I think that is exactly right. And what's weird is, as many times as I've used Rushmore in these stupid lists, and as many times as I've been uh, dinged for it, uh, I never noticed until this moment that the, bike. Bike he, <laughs> that the bike he rides to Herman Bloom's factory is a different bike. It's a girl's bike that has a little back area where he can put his tools so it can fuck with Herman Bloom's brakes, as opposed to his own bike that he repaired. I, I just didn't notice that detail, because if you watch Herman Bloom run over his 10-speed, it's a dude's bike. And then he's riding a girl's bike to Herman Bloom's factory. Who's whose bike is that? I just love that he does that, and I know there's got to be a clue in the movie. And I and as many times as I've watched Rushmore, as much as I love this movie, uh, because you picked this movie, Tom, or this this topic, Tom, I noticed this little detail. He's riding a totally different bike. What an idiot! I just didn't understand that. See Kelly Wan, see what I did? Yeah, you would have idioted it to him. Yeah. Kelly Wan, what is your number one pick for evidence as to whether bicycles are awesome or ridiculous? Uh, I thought they were awesome in uh, Corvette Summer because Mark Hamill steals a bike by making a guy crash into him, and then he, like, rides after it. And, Kelly, yeah. Kelly, not, Kelly Wan, not everything is about Star Wars. 
And in the trailer, they go, Mark Hamill, back from Star Wars, but he's still flying when the guy falls off, like flies off the bike. Ouch. Even wow. though it wasn't Mark Hamill flying, it was actually the guy on the bike. Right. All That's right. the greatest use of ridiculous, awesome bikes in movie history. My number one. Uh, no one brought this one up. Here's a quote from it. Uh, dang, you got shocks, pegs, lucky. You ever take it off any sweet ramps? Oh, no, I'm sorry, I screwed it up. You ever take it off any sweet jumps? Oh, I know that. What's that from? Are you being facetious? <laughs> um. Uh, I love the fact, too, that the bike has, I didn't notice this detail, but I didn't remember this detail, the bike has a little Mexican flag on it, which I quite enjoy. Uh, this is, of course, Pedro's bike from Napoleon Dynamite. Um, uh, and then I, I also really enjoy this scene, and I, I watched this, and I think there, there's some serious stunt work here. Uh, they do the thing where they show Pedro taking it off the jump and getting like three feet of air, and then Napoleon Dynamite does it, and the ramp collapses, and he basically racks himself on the bike. Um, so I was going to say it's ridiculous, but there's some awesome stunt work there, so I'm going to call it ridiculously awesome, which is still awesome, and therefore gives me two awesomes and one ridiculous. So I feel that uh, the bikes are awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Dingus and I have awesome, so we uh, the preponderance of evidence is that they are awesome. But we have uh, some reader submissions, by the way. Mm. Oh, good. Right. I'm excited about this. Jeff Sweet writes, uh, hey there, I might be doing this wrong and just picking my three favorite scenes slash movies with bicycles, but here goes. And Jeff, no, you're not. This will work fine. Uh, the triplets. Oh, nice. The triplets of Belleville, he says. Um, the Bicycle Thief. I've actually never seen that. He says, any excuse to bring up one of my favorite films. Has anyone on this podcast seen The Bicycle Thief? I don't yeah. see movies. It's like black and white, and it's in Italian, I think. Yeah. Who would see that? A uh, French farce enthusiast. Uh, it's Italian, Kelly Wands. Uh, it's it's Amore. Uh, and here you go, Dingus. And he says Rushmore, specifically Mr. <sighs> Bloom running over Max's bike and calmly carrying the mangled thing away. Uh, oh, and I thought I thought Kelly Wand is the one who would screw this up. But uh, Jeff writes as one of his runners-up, and it probably gets disqualified for having one too many wheels, but Danny on the tricycle in The Shining. And I also want to point out, that's no tricycle. I'm pretty sure it's a licensed product. I'm pretty sure it's a big wheel. Yeah, it's a big wheel. It's got yeah. to be. Tricycle, please. Jeff, Jeff, come on. Obviously, you don't know your Shining very well. Same tech, though. But he picked Triplets of Belleville, so that's awesome. Uh, that's also three, though, like a tricycle. Triplets of Belleville? No, well, he's a bicycle triplets. rider. Yeah, but Triplets has three. I see what you did, Kelly Wand. I don't think it works. <laughs> Math, I thought you'd like it. Uh, Paul Weimer writes, Hi, guys. I decided to avoid some of the obvious choices, although my number one is likely going to be scooped by one of you, maybe by Dingus. In fact, there's a little side note from me, not Paul Weimer. It was already scooped by Kelly Wand. Uh, here goes, says Paul Weimer. Number three, A Midsummer Night's Dream. A number of the characters use them, especially Callista Flockhart's character, but the actors are ungainly, awkward, and uncomfortable on them. They really don't work. Bicycles are ridiculous. Number two, Interstate 60. Oh, God. Oh, Paul. I hated this movie. I, this movie, I would say, is unwatchable. Uh, Interstate 60, Paul Weimer writes, a little movie done by Bob Gale with a fascinating number of cameos and small parts from actors from Michael J. Fox to Gary Oldman. 
the latter's trickster character, Gary Oldman's trickster character, has a truly absurd scene with Michael J. Fox's businessman character involving the bicycle Oldman is riding, a barreling truck, and a wish with unexpected consequences. Uh, this scene is truly... It's... This is me. This is not Paul. It's not saying this. Me, Tom Chick. That scene is just... It, it, I just wince throughout that entire thing. It is awful. Uh, but What Paul, year is that movie? Interstate 60, I think, was post... Uh, um, Back to the Future. Back to the Future, yeah. And it was really? Bob Gale uh, just cashing in, basically Without calling Zemeckis. in favors. Yeah, exactly. Calling in favors and, and getting this horrible, horrible thing made. God, it's really so, favor, is it? so terrible. Uh, and Paul's surmises uh, from this, bicycles are ridiculous. Uh, Paul's number one pick, and Kelly Wan, you mentioned this one earlier, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Pee-wee's tricked-out bicycle is a, an essential part of his character, and of course the plot, yes. Uh, from this, bicycles are awesome. Uh, and once again, someone trying to get a tricycle, a three-wheeled vehicle in here. Uh, Paul Weimer writes, a bonus one that wouldn't fit Tom's restrictions, the tricycle race and Revenge of the Nerds. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, have not, I don't think I've seen Revenge of the Nerds either. But why? I haven't either, but I, lo- I have, but I love Kelly's response. I love Kelly's response, and I love how it ties into uh, this week's your movie. Sister. Your, your, your sister, yeah. Uh, this one from Trevor Carr. I believe Trevor's a first-time uh, submitter. Trevor, welcome. Trevor writes, uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, hmm. right, you, yeah, okay, let's see. A boy, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. A boy attempts to flee the non-existent town of Hobbs End on a bicycle, Aging ensues. Julie Carmen tricks him by missing him twice, then hitting him. I don't. I don't remember any of this. So, in a phone booth, and on the director's commentary, John Carpenter's. Like, I don't know who he's calling, but <laughs> uh, from this, Trevor surmises bicycles cannot be used to escape the supernatural. They are not terribly resistant to distracted drivers or cars or Sam Neill. The verdict. <laughs> Bicycles are not awesome. Mm. Uh, Wizard of Oz, 1939. An old woman tries to save a community from a rogue dog, but is run over by a house in a tornado while Pink Floyd plays The Great Gig in the Sky. Okay, well, and, uh, and then Trevor writes, this is not nearly as interesting as it sounds. Uh, from this, bicycles uh, can be used to navigate tornadoes, and they are less maneuverable than a house from Kansas. Therefore, the verdict, they are not awesome. And then finally, uh, Kelly Wand, here you go. Uh, Trevor writes, ET, 2002, a group of government agents armed only with walkie-talkies are defeated by a biker gang that has fallen under the influence of a psychic alien. The agents have no helicopters and don't have a house to drop on them, so they fail horribly. From this, we learn from this, bicycles can easily evade government forces in 1982 as long as the optional revived psychic alien accessory is attached. The verdict? Awesome. Uh, and Paul, I'm uh, sorry, Trevor has a runner-up, Men in Black. Two motion capture suited actors drive by Will Smith on a tandem bicycle to drive home how alien New York is. Uh, I don't get that, but I'm, I guess he's probably riffing on some CG done in Men in Black. Uh, so therefore, uh, let's see, the total tally from Trevor is that bicycles are not awesome. All right, so there we go. Uh, any runners-up from you gentlemen? Hesher. I, I have two. Oh, Hesher. Nice. Oh, that is good, Kelly Wand. Mm. Uh, uh, Dingus, yes? I, I have two. 
Um, I'm shocked that we didn't have these uh, from our listeners. Um, the first one, and these are both, because uh, I was going with how they are awesome. Um, the first, the first is I, I can't believe nobody brought up Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Well, because I I took it off the table. You did takingly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was so uh, the bit from Breaking Away where Dennis Christopher's right. writing. That's an awesome count, and then the Butch Cassidy is a ridiculous count. Uh, so so yeah, that was those were examples. I guess you could have uh, stolen my examples, but uh, oh, I I totally forgot you said that. All right, so the so the other one is uh, something that a friend of mine named Frank brought up is uh, is Argo is why bicycles are ridiculous. Ah, I get it. Uh, the car, the uh, first victims of the car are on bicycles. Hmm. See, so the bikes aren't sent by heaven. Well, maybe they are, and that's why the car is riding down bicycles. Oh, right. So don't ride those. Ride normal bikes, two speeds. Dingus, what is next week's 3x3? All right, next week's 3x3 is a little bit, uh, not a little bit, it was completely um, inspired by watching Your Sister's Sister. Uh, And it was just one moment in Your Sister's Sister. And I'm not going to, it's a little bit, Similar to Tom's, but I'm not going to put a uh, is it is it lame or not thing on it. Um, there's a moment in your sister sister where where the where where Mark Duplass is in a tent. So I want your favorite tent or camping moments in a movie. But I really want you guys to focus on tents, and in particular, uh, little tents. Like like if you could focus on uh, like. A tent that you would use for a small group of people. Kelly, one, do you have any questions about tent scenes? Does the popcorn trick from Diner count as a tent? No, it okay. is not. There's there, there's no cock tent that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a tent that you would put and you would sleep inside of. Don't say it, Kelly. <laughs> All right, so join us for that next week, our 3x3 three three of tents. We will be seeing... The Hobbit. Really? Yay! Honestly? Uh, how dare you? That's not the full title. It's not? No. Oh, The Hobbit. I'm oh, sorry. The Hobbit, part one of three. No. Keep going. Keep. No, what? The Hobbit, a, out of, uh, The Hobbit starts. The Hobbits begin. Hobbits an on their way. Hobbit. What? What is it? It's an unexpected Hobbit. That's part of the... Subtitle: An unexpected Hobbit. Yes, that's what it's because that was chapter one of the book. Not stop it, Kelly. It is. That's what it's called. I don't. Yeah, I I do not believe Kelly one for a second. Uh, Whatever it's called, we will be seeing it next week. Uh, I've just I'm not expecting it. That's why it's called that. It's all what? Here we are. Boo! And why are you so, guys? What? I'm looking forward to it more than yeah, Tom is. So- Here's what I would do. I would like to instead wait two, three, two years, wait two years and just see it all in one whack and not give in to this silly trend to stretch movies out as if they were miniseries or TV shows. Uh, it's why I won't see the Twilight movies. That's why you won't <laughs> see them? Everything else is a plus except that. 
If I if I was whatever you just said, <laughs> I wasn't listening. If I was convinced that Peter Jackson was going to do the entire sweep of the Hobbit novels and oh. get all the stuff with uh, the spiders and the what are the the trolls and the cave with Gollum and the riddles and then smog and the Battle of the Five Armies. If I was con- yeah, if I was convinced that we were going to get all that, I'd be really excited. Instead, you're going to get a dinner scene. I'm going to get extra. 3D, bruh. 3D dinner scene, bitch. You, you know, Tom, you're, you're absolutely right. I didn't think about the fact that they're stretching in M3. I, I, I'm just oh my trusting God. Peter you're Jackson knows how to make it. But, Why don't you stand right. on your own two feet for once, Dingus? Why do you let Tom bitch you all the time? <laughs> you wanted to see this dumb piece of shit with me, and now listen to you. No, I, I still want to see this dumb piece of shit with you. Uh, I'm just, I just, I keep... Uh, denying the fact that it's been stretched into three movies, and it's a uh, it's a good little novel, but it's a good little novel, right? Uh, and plus, I feel like uh, you know, dwarves have already been done. How how can you beat the dwarves in that Snow White movie? Snow White and the Sleeping Dwarves. No, the uh, the Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, those were some great actors. Name they had different names though, like Gary and Larry and Lars and uh, Sheldon. Those weren't the names of the dwarves. It was like Grumpy and Bashful and what's this fuck? Well, it was right. not a Disney movie. Yeah, uh, Dopey. So, but you know what? We'll get into this in more detail next week oh. when we see The Unexpected Hobbit. Uh, well, I wonder what's so, going to happen. Yeah, what, they're going to leave town. So join us for that, and then we will do a 3x3 three three involving tents. You know what? Maybe, I don't remember if it's in the book, maybe when they camp out, because we're going to get a lot of camping, they're gonna, you know, they can't get where they're going in the first movie because they're, you know, we need to draw it out. So maybe there will be camping in small tents uh, in the Hobbit, and it, it can occur then in the three by three. Small tents hide big packages. <laughs> uh, so join us for that next week. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by uh, Christian McClansky. <laughs> it's Christian Moroski and Kelly Wand. Whistle while you work, huh, Tom? Bomber. Kelly Wan, have you gone to that uh, partly haunted asylum yet? Nah, it's too cold. Maybe in the summer you'll go? Eh, we'll see. If they're still alive. I've heard it's uh, not as haunted as I was told, and it's still occupied right. by the same people. Maybe you should check it out just to be sure. Um, it's really cold. I don't like it here anymore. It's too fucking cold. Kelly Wan, did you bring a jacket? No, I need to buy one. Can you get me one for Christmas? Are we there yet? <laughs> yes. Let's pretend we're Lynn Shelton characters and, like, go on road trips and stuff. Talk about our feelings. Uh, Saran Wrap? Oh, come. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a legitimate question. Do you have any <laughs> tissues? Why did Dingus make that noise? <laughs> la, 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 la. Tom, did you beat the Hobbit? <laughs> Disregard. Really uh, yes, in seventh grade. How did it hold up back then? 
it's great. You know, I'm sure that uh, 13-year-olds love that book. Mm. You going to take that from him, Dingus? That's five pounds of fear right there that I just ate. <laughs>